Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. We are kicking off this new series called Our Imperfect Family, because how many of you know there are no perfect families, right? Yeah, not in the Bible, uh, not in uh, here today, never. We all have our stuff. How many of you, again, have had a good Mother's Day so far? Yeah. Uh, How many of you are like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So when you have little kids, right, there's always this idea that like holidays are going to be this like magical hallmark moment. I went to bed last night thinking like, all right, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to cook this amazing breakfast for Kristen. And all the kids are going to like sit quietly and peacefully drawing cards for my wife, right? She's going to sleep in. It's going to be this wonderful, magical moment. And uh, that's the ideal, right? But how many of you know that rarely uh, is what ideal is actually happens, right? There's the chaos and the tension of siblings bickering and all this stuff. And uh, before you know it, like it's like breakfast is over and so you do the best you can. And, and, and just I think the reality is, is, and it's highlighted more and more on holidays, that there's this tension between the ideal that we have in our heads and what is real, right? And there's a tension between the ideal that we, we think this is what it's going to be like and what is real. And, you know, what is real is like, man, your kids didn't sleep through the night or one of them crawled into bed with you again. Or maybe what's real is you and your spouse haven't been on the same page, or maybe even been talking divorce, or maybe you're just realizing, man, we've just been missing each other. You know, what's real is maybe you're a newlywed, and you're like, this isn't quite as easy as I thought it would be, and we got the tension of different calendars and schedules and interests and all this stuff adds up to that there's this tension between what we want, this ideal, and what is real. And I want you to know that's completely normal, that we all have imperfect families. We like to say a lot around here, not perfect. Hey, we're cool with that because none of us are perfect. And the good news is that none of the families in the Bible are perfect either. And so let's learn together how to say, hey, we're not perfect. Let's journey side by side and learn what it means to follow God's commands on, on building a family, though, that is honoring to him. So we've been journeying through Genesis for about six months or so now. We did this seven years ago when we started the church, and we decided about seven years in, hey, let's, let's revisit Genesis. And so we wrapped up, for the most part, the story of Rebecca and Isaac last week. And before that, we talked about Abraham. But in the beginning, we saw God created Adam and Eve to have this perfect relationship with him. But then what happens? Adam and Eve mess up in the garden, and then they have Cain and Abel. And first homicide is brother-on-brother crime, right? So from the very beginning, we've seen imperfect families. And so we've journeyed through this kind of creation. God created us to have a relationship with him. And and, and then we enter into the effects of curse, uh, of the brokenness. And now every family is broken. And then how does God repair that? It's through covenant. So he gives a covenant to to Adam and, and to Noah and to Abraham And eventually, it's going to become the new covenant, which we're a part of through Jesus. But we've been journeying through this, and and so we find ourselves now in, we're going to meet kind of the third set of patriarchs here. 
But how many of you ever liked kind of a guilty pleasure of like, you know, like those reality shows like Nanny 911 or Super Nanny? Because sometimes, every once in a while, it's like, you know, if I'm at like the car repair shop or something and I'm sitting there and it's on, it's like, oh, this is so bad, but it's so good. Because like when you see a three-year-old like smoking and playing with a handgun and you're like, wow, I'm not such a bad parent anymore, right? You see like the worst of the worst and it makes you feel a little bitter about, better about your own situation. Well, there's no reality TV, but we kind of get a picture again into these broken families from 4,000 years ago. And this is the family that God chooses to establish his covenant with. So at first we had Father Abraham, and he had a couple of boys. Well, actually, we said, you know, he and his wife, Sarah, had one boy, and then he and his girlfriend, Hagar, had another son. And so there's this tension here between both of them, and it's like, wow, that caused a lot of drama. And then Abraham passes on his faith and his covenant relationship with God onto his son, Isaac. So the last three weeks, we've been talking about Isaac, and, and, and Isaac married his one true love, Rebecca. But even in that, we said it's so easy to, to breeze over. Even in that, Isaac and Rebecca went through 20 years of infertility, 20 years of wanting to get pregnant, and it wasn't working. And so, again, on this Mother's Day, if it's hard for you and you've been going through infertility, um, you know, primary or secondary, and, and man, it's like, man, you're not alone. This is throughout the Bible. And so, so there's, there's a tension, again, between the ideal and what's real, and they're struggling to conceive, and they needed a son to carry on this, this covenant promise and the faith that one day, someone from their line, God's going to bless the whole world through, and that's going to be Jesus. And so let's pick up the story now in Genesis chapter 25. I chose not to throw the scriptures on here, so if you have your Bibles, you can journey with me. Others are going to follow along, although it's just, it's just way too many slides. So we're going to do Genesis 25, and then we're going to jump to Genesis 27. So Genesis 25, verse 24 through 26. And when her days, that's Rebecca, to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. This is the first time we meet this guy, Jacob. And he's grabbing his brother's heel, Esau. So he gets this name, Jacob, which really means heel grabber. And it's kind of like this deceiver, this one who's reaching out and, and striving or grabbing for something that's not his. And I think it's so interesting that even in the life of Jacob, that before he's even really conscious of any action, before he's really done anything, he gets labeled with this name. How many of us grew up with a label on us before we even really knew who we were or what we were all about? How many of us parents label our kids? Like, that's the good one, right? That's the... That's the out-of-control wild one. That's the ADHD one. You know, uh, uh, that's the one who never acts out. And so they get that label of being the, the perfect kid, and they have to live up to that. Sometime in your life, I think you've probably been labeled. And so, so you try to live up to those labels of something that you didn't even uh, do anything to deserve. And, and so Jacob, he gets this, this title, this, this name of heel grabber. And so why would he do that? Why would he be grabbing onto the heel of his twin brother? See, Isaac and Rebecca, they have these twins. And see, there's something, again, with, with the story that we don't fully grasp in our Western culture, and that's this idea of the birthright. And so we've talked about this, how the oldest son gets so much more of the authority and the wealth, sometimes two, sometimes three times more than the rest of the sons. But what we see again and again throughout the Bible is God's going to not select the son that we think he's going to select. And so oftentimes he's mixing it up. And, and so 
this birthright that was ex- extraordinarily valuable. Uh, if you were the oldest, you got to judge the rest of your siblings. Like, if there's some kind of like, you know, like, who's going to get the last slice of cake? It's like, you sit at his feet. He's like, nah, it's going to be me. And they have to just abide by it. Like, that's like the, the, the reality of the, those who has the birthright. So it's, it's very, very valuable. So verse 27 says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob, he's a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So we've got Jacob. He's the younger uh, son. He's the dreamer. He's the schemer. He's a little soft. Jacob likes to watch like reruns of Downton Abbey. He likes to cook. You know, that's Jacob, right? He's He's a mama's boy. It's okay. Esau, he's the wild man's man. He's super hairy. He loves to hunt. Uh, he's a gambler, a womanizer. He's, he's the guy that like, the dad wants as his son. And so Jacob's kind of the mama's boy. Esau, his dad Isaac, loves him. Verse 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew that Jacob's cooking, for I am exhausted. Okay, I got to pause here real quick. Because how many of you grew up with a brother? See, I didn't have a brother growing up. Yeah, many of you. See, I didn't get this. How many of you are one of the younger brothers? Yeah, never you. So what I learned, because a lot of my best friends were younger brothers, is with younger brothers, there's always something they want from their older brother. Is that true? And as they get up, it's like, I want to borrow their car, their clothes, you know, their computer, whatever it might be, right? And so they're always thinking, whenever I get the upper hand, I know exactly what I'm going to ask for. And usually it's like they're asking for like the moon and then they'll work their way down of what they can get, right? And so this is what Jacob's thinking about. He's like, okay, I've got the power. Uh, My brother wants this stew. So let me start at the top and we'll work our way down. Verse 31, Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Okay, first of all, Esau's being a little dramatic here. He walked into camp. Like, he's probably not going to die, right? But in this moment, he feels like he is. And so Jacob said, verse 33, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau, he gives what's most important to him, to his younger brother, for a bowl of stew. Who do that? Who would trade the thing that is most important to them, that has most value for something that's just temporary and not going to last? How many of us do that, though? We trade what is important for what we want in the immediate. How many of us would do that if, if the right thing comes our way? See, who would throw away their career, their marriage, the respect of their children, for something that doesn't have eternal value. Who would trade their future where you and I would if it was the right bowl of stew? Because here's the thing is we have these appetites, these desires deep within our flesh, and they're never fully satisfied. And so we have to be on guard for this destructive appetites we have that in a moment of weakness, we'll trade what is most important for what we want in the immediate. Because I think every month, every year, you and I are going to be offered this temporary bowl of soup, something that's about the now and not later, and you're going to be tempted to make that trade. Hey, trade in you know, uh, your marriage for this little fling because she, the way she makes you feel. 
trade in your integrity at work just to get a little bit more money on your expense report. You know, whatever it might be, you know, uh, that, that desire to reach out to an ex-girlfriend on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be, and, and, and you're tempted to trade what is most important for just something you want in the immediate. So Esau, he trades away his birthright, but as the oldest, he still owed his father's blessing. All right, we're going to jump to Genesis 27, verse 1 through 4. Now, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son... And he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat and my, my soul may bless you before I die. A couple quick things about this. Number one, Isaac thinks he's ready to die. He's blind. He's like, I'm, I'm on death's doorstep. So he's wanting to do this now. Now, the reality is Isaac's actually going to live for another 80 years actually the oldest patriarch. Um, and so sometimes I think we think, like, right, the end's here, oh, how much time to live. And so, uh, but Isaac didn't know, right? He wasn't planning for the long term. Second, uh, we kind of jumped over this, but in, in Genesis chapter 25, God said, actually, the younger son is going to serve the older. But see, Isaac, he doesn't like that, because his favorite son is Esau. And so, what he's going to do here, he's sinning with his favorite son. He knows God said, hey, I'm going to select the younger son. But he's like, you know what? In secret, I'm going to give him the blessing instead of doing what God has said what I'm supposed to do. Verse 5. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to her son Esau. So she's kind of a busybody listening in. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Rebecca's like, all right, here's the plan. We're going to trick the blind old fool into give him, giving you the blessing instead of, of Esau. And what we see here, those echoes, we talk about the sins of the past, Right? She's just like Adam's wife Eve taking things into her own hands. She's just like Sarah taking matters into her own hands. Hey, Abraham, sleep with Hagar instead of talking to God about what she should do. Verse 11. But Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Right? Esau is a wookie. He's hairy all over. Jacob has no hair. He's like, how am I going to do this? Verse 12. He says, Perhaps my father will feel me. For I shall seem to be mocking him, you are, dude, and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Side note, moms, don't just teach your kids just to obey you because you're mom. Teach your kids to obey God and that you are under his authority and to obey you because you are under his authority. Amen? So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food. She's doing all the work, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. There's all kinds of issues here. Why is Esau a married man who's 40 years old? His clothes are still in her house. Why is she clothing Jacob, like getting him dressed? Like, this is not good. This is a dysfunctional family. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So again, she's making him feel a little more masculine. She's putting the goat hair on him. Like, man, hopefully this helps you feel a little bit better about your own family, right? Like, this is a messed up family. 
So they're going to trick blind old Isaac. I think even if you don't follow Jesus, you're like, man, that is wrong to trick the old blind guy, right? Verse 18. So he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it you found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord, your God, granted me success. Jacob's giving God credit for his lie. Just because something sounds spiritual doesn't mean that it is. I was talking to a friend. He shared uh, about a week or two ago that his best friend growing up, he stood up for him at the wedding. He's going through a very painful divorce. Wife who left him is in a relationship already with another guy and sleeping with him and living with him. And yet, on Facebook, she's posting all these Bible verses and appearing to be super spiritual when she's doing something super wrong. And she's left her kids. She's left her husband. She's living in sin, doing what she should not be doing. But she appears super spiritual. And sometimes we got to know and have discernment between someone's words and their actions. Amen? Just because something sounds super spiritual, just as someone talks the talk, you got to make sure they walk the walk. Amen? So Jacob is sinning and blaming the Lord. And this is blasphemy. This is one jacked up family. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. If you're taking notes, write this down. And here's the thing is that we can get so good at pretending to be someone else that even the people closest to you can't tell who you really are. In this moment, his father could not tell who Jacob really was. See, I think there's so many times we present this false front to other people and, and we put on this mask, we put on this personality, we put on the goat hair pretending to be someone else. And we get so good at pretending that the people closest to us can't even tell the real And so Jacob steals the blessing that should have been Esau's. First he steals the birthright, then he steals his blessing. Now Esau, though, he's out hunting, so he's got weapons in his hands, right? So he comes back and he is angry. So he's ready to murder his brother. And so And so what happens now in the rest of the story is Rebecca, the mom who loved her son Jacob the most, she's like, okay, Jacob, you got to run because your brother wants to kill you. You stole his his birthright. Now you've stole the blessing. So go visit my family. And when things calm down, you come back here and it's all going to be good. So she's scheming. She's trying to work this all out for herself uh, to, you know, uh, get her favorite son the best things possible. Do you know what's super sad to me? This is the last time she sees her son. I'm sure she had no idea. By the time Jacob comes back, Rebecca's going to be dead. Man, as parents, like, what does it matter if your kid gets something that you really want for him? If that relationship is severed and you don't get to see them again? Like, I just think it's, it's so, so sad. It's possible to get what seems like a blessing 
But the way you got it leaves you on the run because it wasn't really you. See, God can't bless Jacob yet. God can't bless Jacob dressed like Esau. God can't bless who you pretend to be. When we put this false front even before God, God's like, hey, no, no, no. I need to strip away the goat hair and the clothes that belong to someone else and the false front and get to know who you really are. See, I don't know about you, but there are sometimes many different versions of me. There's the me I see and the me I wish I could be. There's the me I'm all too aware of all my own failures and the me I wish I could be. And sometimes I try to present that person instead of presenting who the real me is. And so we put these clothes on that don't belong to us. We put this goat hair on, on our neck and our arms and we pretend to be someone else because we think that's what we need to get the blessing. We think I need to be this kind of person for people to like me. I think it was our kids outside. That I need to, you know, do different or, or be different or, you know, act in, in someone else's gifting and not my own. And that's what's going to be the blessing. But God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can't minister to the masks that you and I wear. Matthew 16, 26 tells us, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. What good is the blessing of the Father if he can't even stay in the house? What good is it to get this blessing from your dad if you never get to see your mom again? But here's the thing. I think as we grow up, we just naturally wear Esau's clothes. You can fool some people, but you can't fool yourself. You can fool your neighbor, but you can't fool God. You can put these different filters on, on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it might be and pretend to be someone you're not, but you can't fool God. God can't minister to your mask. Jesus can't save your selfie with all these filters and pretending to be something that you're not. See, I think we identify with both the twin boys, with both Jacob and Esau. See, like Esau... We saw him trade what was most important for what he won in the immediate. Maybe right now, you're in this place, you're ready to trade what is most important for a bowl of stew. Maybe you're married and there's someone at work or there's someone you see at the gym or you're thinking about doing something you know you shouldn't. And you're like, ah, I'm tempted to trade what is most important for what I want in the immediate, but we need to focus on what is most important. And you have no idea what God wants to do through you, through your children, through your grandchildren. But whatever you do, don't trade your future for a bowl of stew. Don't compromise your convictions. And then like Jacob, I think it's easy for us to pretend to be someone that we think we need to be in order to be blessed. But see, God wants us to lose our need to pretend. To the parents, spouses, the people that God wants us to be, to be who God wants us to be, we need to drop the masks. So my encouragement for you is... Again, to drop this need to pretend, to put on these masks, to be the perfect mom, to be the perfect parent, the perfect spouse, that you feel like you have it all together, to be the one that's always happy or always has a scripture verse for everything and you're never real with the people that are most closest to you. 
Now, again, I'm not saying you have to just be like, you know, the real you spilling out over everyone, right? But we all need people in our lives that we can take off the masks, take off Esau's clothes and the, the goat hair, and say, hey, this is who I am. I'm letting you into this. And I believe that's the same thing when we come before God in worship. It's taking off those masks and saying, Jesus, this is who I really am. Kind of warts and all exposed before you, God. And trusting that when he looks at us, it's not in condemnation. It's not the love of a father who plays favorites. It's the love of a perfect father. And not because of our own merits, but because that perfect father, he sent his only son, Jesus. And he gave up what was most important, his one and only son. So that you and I now can be welcomed in. And when the father looks at us, it's the same love that he looks on his son, Jesus. We are covered by Jesus. And so we don't have to pretend anymore. We can come before the Father, not because of who we are, what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. And because of that full acceptance, full love, then we allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. But only when we get real about, hey, this is really who I am. I'm so thankful that I have a couple of people in my life that I can be myself around that I don't have to be, quote-unquote, Pastor Eric. I don't have to be, uh, you know, this other person. That I can just oh, take a deep breath and to just be around. And that is, I believe, God's desire for each and every person. If you don't have those kind of relationships or friendships, I want to really encourage you to ask yourself, what do you need to do to have some people in your life like that? To, to say, hey, they will accept me and love me. I don't have to wear some kind of I don't have to pretend to be someone else. Now, again, that's not going to be everyone, right? Like most of us, one, two, maybe three people in our lives that, that truly know us and love us and accept us and then also can, can encourage us when, when we know we need to change. We can confess our sins. Hey, I've been abusing food or alcohol or, hey, I'm a workaholic or, hey, uh, my marriage needs some help. Again, you're not going to blast this to everybody, but we all have to have some people in our lives that, that, that we can take the masks off, like, J like Jacob needs to do, take the clothes off, and who can call us on our stuff when we're thinking about trading what's most important for a silly bowl of stew. We're going to wrap up a time of worship here, uh, again, as, as we close up today. But again, my hope is that two things out of here. Number one, if you don't have those kind of people, that you can take the steps to have some people in your life that you can get real and, and really say, hey, this is who I am. If you have those people, like say thanks to them. <laughs> hey, thank you for being in my life. Thank you for loving me, accepting me for who I am. And the third thing, then, is when we come into worship to kind of you know, take off the, the, the selfie filters, take off the masks, and just really present yourself, God, this is me, this is who I am, and, and, and I'm giving it to you. And so as we worship, I want to encourage you again, like, you know, maybe you want to reach out to your Heavenly Father, and, and, and it is reaching up with those hands and say, like, Father, you are the perfect Father, and I want you to pick me up and 
and to hold me, and, and I need you, and I trust you. Uh, sometimes we lift up our hands just in celebration. Uh, you know, uh, on, on our baseball team, right? When one of my players hits a three-run homer, like we, we lift up our hands and we're celebrating. And so, so sometimes you lift your hands in celebration of who God is, and you're just so thankful. Sometimes it's just reaching out because you're so aware of your own brokenness. It's just like, God, I need you right now. So please just, just reach out and, and touch me. And so it, it's just, again, it's losing that need to pretend to be with the God who loves us no matter what. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band up. God, thank you that you are here in this place. God, thank you for your love and grace in our lives. Thank you for Pastor Ullman and uh, this new friendship. Uh, and, and God, I just pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us in this room to have some people in our lives that we can just be real with, um, who will call us out when we're ready to make that trade uh, of trading something that's so important for something that's just silly. And, and God, that, that as we come before you in worship, we would just be able to come with our whole selves, our strengths, our weaknesses, all that we are. God, that we take our mind off of, you know, uh, where we're going to eat dinner or what we're going to do tomorrow. And just in these next couple of minutes, just focus on you. And God, I pray that you would just do the deep work that only you can do, that your Holy Spirit would come in right now and uh, do a work in, in each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. I want you to stand with me. Um, encourage you, uh, if you haven't felt like connection card, you can do that online as well at mymosaicchurch.com. And right there, there's a button right, right on the home screen. It's, it's like an online connection card. And you can fill out a prayer request on there. We have a team that meets every Wednesday morning at our ministry center from 8 to 9 a.m. Take those prayer requests very seriously, um, and our team will pray over that. Again, we want to be lifting you up in prayer. You don't have to give, give as many details as you want. Uh, we'd love to be praying for you. If you'd love any more information on just kind of, you know, how to get plugged in, um, how to be discipled, um, we've got some things going on this summer. We'd just love to help you take your next step, whatever that might be. Uh, and maybe you want to just fill that out and just say, hey, I'm interested in the Honduras trip. Uh, keep me on a list. Let me know more about that. Uh, and then you can also give online on our website as well. And then uh, as we're leaving, we've got sweet treat for all the moms. Um, and so uh, may you know that Jesus loves you so much, but he can't minister to your mask. So lose that need to pretend, and let's come before him now with who we really are, um, and, and let's allow him to minister to us. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.